You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so we are going to uh, watch an introductory video for our new series. What does it mean to love one another? Is it an emotion of the heart? An act of service? A force of the will? Can love ever truly be defined? We think so often in simple terms, but real love goes much deeper. It strengthens the weak, helps those in need, lives in harmony with all people, and holds us accountable. Love means carrying each other's burdens, admonishing and instructing, showing compassion and feeling it too, spurring one another to good deeds, confessing and forgiving, building and maintaining trust, being of one mind no matter our differences. Love means accepting others for who they are and allowing ourselves to be changed in the process. So love holds us together, grafted by faith into the one true Christ, whose example compels us to love one another. Start this series on the one another's. Really, we do need to think of other people more than ourselves. I know some people that used to work in, at Crown College, actually one of them used to be the president of Crown College, that is down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, where there's the Christian and Missionary Alliance retirement facility that's like, right, was in the target of the hurricane, and he was describing how they're evacuating people to the shelter and everything, and I've been watching the news as you have, and watched an interesting video, like I was like really thinking about something great, and then my wife showed me this video in the Bahamas of all the water being sucked out, so then we went on a little squirrel chase to figure out, will the water come back, and I guess it will. That whole, you know, what would you do, how would you do it, and I was thinking about all these people that are in the shelters, and I wondered how much ministry is going on there. How many people in the shelters know Jesus, and they're talking to people that are afraid that they might die, and what are they going to do, and they're placing their faith in Christ right now. They don't know what to do, how they're going to survive, what's going to happen next, and they're coming to a true relationship with Jesus Christ right now because of this difficulty. There's probably some people that are angry, rebelling against God too. Maybe they have questions, maybe they don't understand, maybe they need to be listened to, but just this whole thing. And as I was on my little squirrel chase, I came across another YouTube video of a Porsche dealership in Florida bringing in all 300 of their cars into every available space on their showroom floor, upstairs and downstairs and in their garage, and they've got them up on the hoist and under the hoist, and they're all crammed in. And I'm thinking to myself, and even posted this for a minute before I unposted it, because it's not very spiritual, not very godly, and I thought to myself, what a great way to go to ride through a hurricane in a brand new Porsche um, with the stereo cranked, you know, uh, listening to some of my end-of-the-world songs. I have a couple of of end-of-the-world songs. One of them is Mylon Lefebvre's Crack the Sky, you know, come on, crack the sky for me and take me home. So if I'm really depressed and you see I'm playing that song all the time, I might, might be, you might need to call me and say, Hugh, are you okay? And the other one is Audio Adrenaline's Going Out in a Blaze of Glory. Now, I don't know if hiding on the showroom floor in a Porsche, in a hurricane, is necessarily, uh, you know, a blaze of glory. And I thought to myself, no, that's not really the way to go out. Uh, instead, you should be around people. You should pray that the hurricane goes around, over, preserves your life, helps other people around you. You'd rather spend the rest of eternity around the holy water cooler and people are like, well, what happened to you? How did you die and come, come to this point? And hopefully the best one will be, well, Jesus returned and here I am. 
But, uh, you know, instead of, well, I was being selfish on the showroom floor in a Porsche I couldn't afford, uh, you know, by myself, then uh, I died. As opposed to, well, we were in a group of people, and I, let, I was able to bring all these, see all these people over here? I actually prayed to receive Christ, like right before the building was destroyed. And uh, they're here right now uh, because God used me, because the Holy Spirit used me. And so I was thinking about that thing, and I'm like, what, are we ready for a disaster to lead people to Christ? Are we ready to serve Christ when that happens, when the terrorist shows up at your workplace, or when, you know, we get some kind of natural disaster? I mean, we get floods, we get high winds, we get snow, tons of snow. It doesn't take a whole lot of water to give us tons of snow, but when all these uh, viruses, uh, there's just all sorts of things. Are you ready to be an ambassador for Christ in the midst of a difficult time? And so I was thinking about this one another series, and so there's a ton of resources, 2,000 years of the New Testament. There's lots of Bible commentaries, lots of things that we could talk about, all the different Greek words for love. We could look at 1 Corinthians 13 and look at all the different ways that we could love that way. And on Right Now Media, Tony Evans has a series on the one another's, and his love one another message is really good too, but I'm not Tony Evans, and what he had to say was awesome, but I don't, didn't feel called to tell you that. So as I prayed about it, and I also, truthfully, I kind of yawned when I saw the topic. I'm like, love one another. Yep, Drew Pug. All right, what else you got? I know I'm supposed to love, you're going to guilt me because I don't love people enough. There is a Bible study series, though, called The Journey Series by Tommy Higgle, and he had a great acrostic for love, and I thought, you know, that would work. So a lot of what I say about that, uh, I'm stealing from him, but my responsibility isn't to be new and original. My responsibility out of love and care is to give you something that will help you grow, to encourage you in your faith, and to move this church forward, reaching the world for Christ. I mean, God created us to worship him and to glorify him, and that's what we need to do. Um, we look at this passage, John 13, and really what's going on here is, is that Jesus knows that Judas Iscariot is about to betray him, and it's the end of the line for his time with the disciples. And so he's telling the guys, he said, now I'm giving you a new commandment. So the old one was love your neighbor like yourself. You know, love God, love others. And we're told to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, these boys that I knew, that you'd think that their family was perfect. You know, perfect Christian family, perfect boys. But I had one of the kids in my youth group, and the two older boys, one was in, two of them were in college, but the younger one would tell all the crazy stuff that went on in their house when their parents were gone. Like, my older brothers would terrorize me and chase me around with knives and all sorts of other things. And I thought, you know, well, you know, here Jesus says, I'm heading out. I keep trying to tell you that, but you're not getting it. So please don't kill each other while I'm gone. Uh, care for one another. Love each other. Why? Because it's just really good? Uh, no, because when people see you doing that, loving each other, caring for each other, they're going to want some of that. It's going to glorify God. It's going to glorify me. And people are going to want to be part of it. So people are going to see the way we treat each other as Christians. Do they want to be part of it? Some churches, they're big in, in gossiping and backbiting and uh, you know, just being really harsh to people. Matter of fact, there are some people in our community that are afraid to come to our church because they're terrified of what you might think of them. They're afraid of what you might think of their living situation, 
uh, the things that they've done, the people that they associate with, they, they're not sure if they want to be part of a group that's going to make them feel bad about themselves, which is interesting because we have standards and we try to live by the Bible and you know that does set us in a different place than others, but if people see that we love each other and we care for each other and we love God and what God is doing in our life, they might want to change and say, you know, I did live like that, but I want to live for Christ now. I want some of what you have. I want some of that love. And it is very important that we, as Christians, love and care for one another. I mean, we're supposed to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are supposed to care for each other. And as we have resources to help one another and to pray for each other and to encourage each other and build each other up. And I know that you know all of this. I don't think I'm telling you anything new. Uh, There are times when we have different views, different theology. Sometimes there's major theological differences that create, uh, well, sometimes a really different theological view can either create a different denomination or uh, cult, depending on what they believe. And so there's, you know, some people I don't want to lock arms with and say, you know, let's go win the world for Christ because I don't think that you believe the correct things about Christ because you're in a cult. And then there's other Christians that it's like, well, I don't think I would go to your church because there are certain things that you believe that I totally don't believe, but can we work together? Can we make a difference together? And this will actually be tested soon because there is a group from Texas that has uh, come up and they've helped some other counties in Minnesota uh, get together as churches and try to lead their counties to Christ. So I've been to one meeting so far, and there's another meeting coming. The general idea is, is that all of these churches, like maybe different, 30 different churches from the county, would get together and uh, get trained up and prepared to go share their faith with anybody they can find in Scott County to try to win Scott County to Christ. I'd like to say that we've already won Scott County to Christ on our own, but you know and I know that's not true. So if we work together and the main thing is the main thing, Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross, rose again, and is ready to forgive us of our sin and give us new life in Christ, um, we should go for it. And I think we will. I mean, they haven't committed to a date or time or anything like that, but I'm in. And hopefully you will be in too. So, but to love one another, to care for one another. I like Sports Spectrum magazine because they share stories of Christian athletes. I might not even like the team, but it's like Christian athlete living for Christ. That's pretty awesome. I like that. So our I Am Second also has lots of stories of Christian athletes living for Christ. Sometimes they do great things all the time. Sometimes they mess up and fall, get back up, and uh, you know, ask for forgiveness for the, the temptation, the sin that they fell into. But to love each other. When we give our life to Christ, we become part of a family, part of God's family. We are children of God. Jesus is our big brother. And we have this great opportunity to care for one another and to love one another. And then to share Christ with the world. Uh, The Life Application Bible Commentary asks, what do they see? Jesus said that our Christ-like love will show that we are his disciples. Do people see petty bickering, jealousy, and division in your church? Or do they know you are Jesus' followers by your love for one another? Love is more than simply warm feelings. It is an attitude that reveals itself in action. How can we love others as Jesus loves us? By helping when it's not convenient, by giving when it hurts, by devoting energy to others' welfare rather than our own, by absorbing hurts from others without complaining or fighting back. This kind of loving is hard to do. That is why people notice when you do it and know you are empowered by a supernatural source. The Bible has another beautiful description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. So, anyway, 
you can read that. Or if you've ever been to any wedding recently, I'm sure that you know 1 Corinthians 13. All right, so this Journey Bible Study series had this acrostic for love. And that's what we're going to look at right now, the acrostic for love. I don't want you to get lost in the details because I know it's fill in the blank and everything. And I know that sometimes that sets you off. You're like on the edge of your chair. Like, did I get it? Did I get it? Hey, hey, what was, what was three? What was number three? I do that too. Actually, I went to the uh, Global Leadership Conference and, and I, was, I was paying attention to everything like that. And the pastor next to me is like, what was number four? It's like, I don't know and I really don't care. So I'm not taking notes. I'm just taking it in, hoping to get something good from it. So yeah, so don't stress yourself. So here's what it is. Love. Listen to people. Offer assistance, value people, and emulate Jesus. When I read that and I, thought, I saw that, and I'm like, hey, you know what? A message on love would be pretty exciting if we do those things. A message on love would really make sense if we were to apply those things to our life. A message of love shows that there's actually action steps that we can take instead of just a feeling kind of thing. You know? If you look at all the different love songs and all the different things, you know, it's like people, are, people don't really know what love is. So, DC talks that love is a verb. That was good. It was probably almost in high school, or maybe a little after that when they came out with that. But love is a decision. We decide to love people. It's not always a feeling. Sometimes you feel in love, sometimes you don't. Sometimes love is a result of what the other person is doing for you and those types of things. Sometimes you choose to love people that are unlovable, and it's hard, but you've made a commitment to show them love. Even though maybe you don't like them at the moment, you have made a commitment to love them. And so you can love people without necessarily liking them at the time. So, all right, so that's what the acrostic for love is. So let's look at some of those with the time that we have. All right, listen to people. In James 1.19 it says, understand this, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to to get angry. Do we listen to people? It's interesting to me that we want to try to decide who somebody is. You know, it's like, oh, I met you, and I think I know exactly what you think, and so here's what I think of you and what you need to change and why we can't be friends until you do this. But you need to listen and see what it is that they really think, what it is that they're doing, wondering why they think what they do. There was a little girl that moved into a new neighborhood in Colorado. She, for some reason, was concerned that there were monsters in the house. So, I guess her parents, maybe she knew a police officer. I I don't know how this... I don't think kids don't call 911 and ask for the service. I don't think it happens all the time. But a police officer came and listened to the little girl. Soon after moving into a new home in Colorado with her family, four-year-old Sydney Fahrenbrook decided that the new house needed to pass one additional inspection for monsters. So as any four-year-old would do, she invited a local police officer to offer his professional opinion on the matter. She met Officer Bonday and asked him if he would come search for monsters in her house, said Sydney's mom, Megan Barenbrook. She just checked under the couch, but he wanted to make sure there weren't any under the couch cushions, she continued. Then they ended up going in the front yard to make sure there was no monster activity in the front yard, just amazing the confidence he's given her. She wants to grow up to be a cop and help other people find monsters as well. According to the local news station, after thorough inspection, neither Sydney nor Officer Officer Bonday had discovered any trace of monster activity around the home. 
So it would be easy to go, little girl, there's no such thing as monsters. Just get over it. Go to your room. Play with your toys. Parents, what are you doing? Don't you realize we have other things to do? But instead, they listened and showed care. And now this little girl wants to grow up to be a police officer. I'm pretty sure, uh, hopefully, the monsters she finds are criminals. I doubt she's going to find real monsters. But why would, she watch, why would she be afraid of monsters? Well, maybe because she watches Disney and sees lots of monsters. Maybe she's seen things that she shouldn't see or heard things that she shouldn't see. Some reason she thinks there could be monsters. Uh, when I was little, we used to have these, I guess they're coming back, drive-in movie theaters. You know, they had the little playground in the front. Around dusk, the movie would start. It'd usually be like a kid's show, pretty innocent. And sometimes there'd be two movies or even three movies. And the general idea is, is that the little kids would be asleep before they showed the bad movies. Well, <clears throat> I was supposed to be asleep when they were showing a terror movie that uh, was really bad and gory, and I, I still remember it. It affected what I thought of things in the middle of the night. When it was dark, and if I was walking along along the woods, I would wonder if something was going to come out of the woods and try to attack me with a chainsaw because I saw a movie that I shouldn't have seen. And so maybe people that you don't understand have irrational fears because of something that they've heard or experienced. And if you were to listen and to share and to care and to just take your time, you could help them to see what's true and how you're confident that there's not monsters in your house and how you're confident that God is... Well, VeggieTales, God is bigger than the boogeyman. All of these things can come out as you listen, as you understand that listening is a great way to show love. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Uh, if you look at the Greek word, fathers could also be translated parents, but often we don't listen to our children. Um, maybe they say that if you have dinner together, that you're more likely to... I have open communication, the kids will be less likely to get into trouble and things like that as you, as you communicate. Um, that's good, but just communicating in any way you can. So my daughter and I, we used to like, send messages across the house to each other, and it was a form of communication. It works, but communicate, listen to your kids. Sometimes the kids are aggravated, they are discouraged because they're not listened to, that they're not understood. And I know that sometimes they say things that you don't necessarily agree with, but it's good to listen and then to do what you can to guide and direct and to help them, to try to figure out where they're at. Pray for them and try to lead them along. Your job as a parent is to prepare them to be adults. Your job as a parent is to give them the information that they need to make right choices and to follow after Christ. So I remember some of the old people would, when they're asked a question by you know, a kid or whatever, say, oh, we just believe that. We don't ask questions. You know, the church has always believed that. You don't need to question that. Just believe it. Well, that doesn't hold up very well when the kid is tempted or, uh, you know, being asked questions at school or in an ungodly environment. That kid needs to know why they believe what they do and the evidence for it and what the Bible says about it. And, you know, so give them resources. That right now video series or media series or whatever, the 14,000 videos, there's some good ones on there. There's also some on there that I think they just threw on there because they're like, hey, you know, if we throw all these old videos up there, then we'll have 14,000 and that will look pretty cool. So you have to pick and choose through the videos on there, but there's some good ones. If you need to know what some of the good ones are, I might be able to point you in the right direction. And then sometimes people just want to talk and talk and talk, but they don't want to listen. They want to share their opinion, but they don't want to hear what other people think. Um, you know, when certain groups come to my door, uh, cult groups, 
I found that to get in an argument doesn't really lead anywhere. But I ask them a lot of questions. I learn some things that they believe. And if I can get them to leave questioning what they believe and thinking more about what the Bible truly says, that's even better. But arguing your way uh, in that uh, interaction with those people that come to your door never worked for me. But asking questions seems to be helpful. And it also shows love. I think they pretty much already know where I stand when they see that I've got the River Rock trailer in my driveway. Sometimes I see them coming down the street and they just go past me and I'm given opportunity. But fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And when you listen to others, you earn the right to be heard. So if you listen to their point of view, often you earn the right for you to share why you think what you do, and it is a loving way to keep the the line of communication open. So listen to people. Oh, offer assistance. All right, so as you have opportunity, as you have resources, do what you can to help. Offer assistance. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Offer assistance. So for believers, even unbelievers, do what you can to help. If you have resources to help, if you have opportunities, if you know of a job available and you know somebody that needs a job, um, if you are able to do childcare for a young couple so they can go out on a date, if you have resources, if you have time, uh, all of these things. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. Who are you sharing your life with? Offer assistance. In James it says, um, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about physical needs, what good is it? So we're supposed to put uh, God's word into action. James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So what do you have to offer? Sometimes you don't have anything to offer but prayer. Um, people say, I, I need this. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. And you're like, well, I don't have that for you. But I'll pray for you. And if I hear of anybody that has that resource or that can help, I mean, God's the one that ultimately has to provide needs. But sometimes you can provide needs. Sometimes you can do things for people. Sometimes God will put it on your heart to do things for people. Sometimes as you offer assistance, you will lose out. God sees. God cares. Um, the other day, I needed a really tall ladder, and I used to own a really tall ladder, but uh, years ago, the neighbor behind me, a different neighborhood, uh, needed to paint their house, and I could see that they needed a ladder. So I brought them my, my ladder, my extension ladder that you know has the two parts, and so they took it and put it in two pieces, and were painting the house, and so then they were done with most of it. I got one half of my ladder back, and then I went to get the other half, and the guy that owned the house had kicked the renters out and was holding my other half of the ladder hostage, and he wouldn't give it back. He said, I'm not giving it back till somebody pays the rent. I'm like, I'm not paying the rent. I just want my ladder back. See, I got the other half. It's my ladder. I was being nice, and you just stole my ladder. And so, you know what? This was probably, this is a long time ago. And my wife just had this great revelation to me that, you know, she just called the police and said, hey, he's got my ladder. I probably would have gotten my other half of the ladder back. But I don't have that ladder, and I can't get up that high. But someone in the church has some ladders, and I called him. I'm like, hey, can I borrow your ladder? He's like, sure. So I used his ladder. Worked great. God provided my need. Still a little sad about my ladder, but my life goes on. It's okay. Value people. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul says, do you value people? Do you look at the person, and do you value them? 
do you see them as what God, see them where, they, where they're at or what God could do through them? Do you see them as the situation that they're in by the choices they made or what God could do through them? Wouldn't it be great to be truly able to be prophetic? Sometimes I think people that claim that they have the gift of prophecy don't, they're guessing. But to actually know and to say, you know, that God is going to take you from this and he's going to make you that. So I think it's so encouraging to see young people at Crown College. We went to, I went to Crown College on Friday with the big banner because I always like it secretly when other pastors go, you have the biggest banner in the room again. Yes, we do. And anyway, so that people know that we're there because we've got our big pirate sail out there. Come sail on the SS River Rock. But anyway, so there's a girl and she's in nursing and uh, she wants to get trained up to be a nurse so she can go back to Laos and to reach her Hmong people. Um, she speaks great English and everything, and she could stay here and be comfortable and all these things as, as a nurse. I mean, I think if you're a registered nurse, you can get a job anywhere. But she wants to go take this skill and go back and help her people group. And what an awesome thing that she's being trained up to be a Christian nurse, to live for Christ and to share Christ as she shows love and care for others. Philippians 1.5, you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. We are partners together. I appreciate so many of you that have been here for 15 years and have endured me and all of my ums and buts. And I'm not, I listen to people speak on like TV or whatever and like, oh man, they're so perfect. So I'm not perfect, but you still come. Thank you. Thank you. You've been my partners spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard, from the first time we first got together. It's been awesome. It's been an awesome ride so far. It's not over. And value people. And then emulate Jesus. This is my commandment, that we love each other. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So here are some of the love verses. You could look in the back of your Bible and see all the different verses on love. But we're supposed to be like Jesus. Jesus loved us. We're supposed to love like Jesus. We love each other because he loved us first. Christ saved us. He's come into our life. The Holy Spirit helps us to love others, to show Christ's love to others. John 13, 1, and before this passage that we started with, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father, and he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I need a couple volunteers to pass these out to people. I've got these little sheets here. I just need somebody to come, some young people, somebody with lots of energy, somebody else. Somebody from the back, somebody with lots of energy, there you go. That's right. Just hand those to people. Don't let these, don't let these freak you out. All right, so while they're being handed out, I'll share a couple more verses. I'll talk about what I just handed you, okay? So here are some more verses about love. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. That's what we started with. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? In 1 Corinthians 4.21, God disciplines those whom he loves, too, it also says. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins in 1 Peter 4.8. So I'll just put these other ones on the screen. All right, so what have I just handed you? I have handed you an inventory that you don't have to fill out now. And you don't have to like send me the results, or you're, you don't even have to do it if you don't want. But there is a discipleship guide, the discipleship challenge, which is basically a workbook to help you grow in your faith. And you can buy this for like twelve bucks, and I can tell you where you can get it from. 
But the general idea is that to be a disciple, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you need to learn and to grow. And so these are the things on the list that I look at this list and I'm like, okay, so this is a list of what I should be doing to be a, a really functional Christian. If I really want to grow, if I really want to make a difference in the world, not that God's going to love me more, but he might bless my ministry more. He might bless me more if I do these things. This would be awesome. So fall is coming. You'll have more time to read and study, I guess. But it's good to measure where you're at now and where you want to be. It's good to make goals and think, okay, what is it that I need to do in my Christian life? So here the inventory asks, do you do this always, usually, sometimes, seldom, or never? And then on the bottom, every time you mark always, you get four points. Every time you mark usually, it's three points. Sometimes it's two points. Seldom is one point. And never is eh, goose egg, nada, nothing. So don't lie because God can see it. He knows too. So you're not turning this in to me, except for Dan. Dan's an elder. Actually, Pat and Chris are elders too. So I'll expect these by tomorrow at 4 p.m. Not really. So, all right. I have a daily time to spend with God. I recognize Jesus as the leader of my life. I sense God's presence throughout the day. I try to keep myself spiritually disciplined. I know that God disciplines me. I read my Bible every day. I study my Bible at least, at least once, a week, once a week. I memorize scripture on a weekly basis. I pray for the needs and concerns of others. I have a prayer list that I regularly refer to. My daily prayers include adoration, thanksgiving, confession, and supplication. And I journal what God has revealed to me through his word, prayer, his spirit, and his people in order to apply it to my life. Why would you do all these things? I mean, do you realize how much time that's going to take? What if somebody finds your journal and you put some stuff in it that you don't want anybody to see? Write in code. So... You, do, you would do this because you love God, because you know God loves you and you want more of God. And so you would look at this list and say, you know what, I could see how that would be helpful. All right, direct involvement in the local church. I desire to live in unity with others in my church. I seek to resolve all disputes and arguments that I have with other Christians or that they have with me. I genuinely love God's people. I live in harmony with members of my spiritual family. I serve God by serving in my church. I willingly give at least 10% of my income back to God through my local church. I involve myself in regular acts of kindness to those in need. Why would you do that? Because you love other Christians. Because you want the local church to thrive. Because you want the local church to be a vehicle that will help reach the community for Christ. Because you want the local church to grow. In Tony Evans' message, if you go watch it on Right Now Media, he makes it clear, you don't need to come to church to grow. You could watch TV church, internet church. You can read stuff. You can grow spiritually on your own. You can do workbooks. But you need the local church because God has called you to the local church to love each other, to care for each other, to share each other's burdens, to know each other, to hold each other accountable. And that's what we need to do in the local church. And then the last part, deliberate investment in the Great Commission. I pray daily for the salvation of lost people. I share my personal testimony with non-believers when the opportunity arises. I share the good news with those who are receptive. I look for opportunities every day to point people to Jesus Christ. I eagerly pursue disciple-making relationships with new believers. And I always have my kingdom mission clearly in mind. So as you think about all those things, why would you do the last part? That's the really scariest part. I mean, lost people, sharing your faith, sharing your testimony. It can be scary stuff. What are you supposed to do? What if they ask you a question you don't know the answer to? 
Well, you're just telling me you don't know the answer. Or I'll help, I'll find the answer and I'll get back to you. And you call a pastor or you call somebody or you go to gotquestions.org or there's lots of different resources. Never say you know the answer when you don't because it doesn't ever work out very well. But why would you do that? Because you love lost people like Jesus loved lost people. Because you love God and you love others. Jesus says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And in Matthew 28, you know Jesus told us that we're supposed to make disciples. So if we are investing in a person or people and making disciples, this is what, if you look at this list, this is what we could be becoming, doing. This is a great way to live life. And this is what we want to develop in someone else's life. So there's other lists and other charts and things like that, and we're out of time. But to love each other is a huge deal. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So here's another short video clip, and then the worship team will come up. And if you don't understand what it means to be saved or have a relationship with Christ, please text me, call me, see me after church. If someone else is talking to me, just wait and grab me by the shoulder. I'd love to share how you can come into a relationship with Christ. Uh, that's that particular question I find myself thinking why do you ask that question because because it, it, it doesn't quite compute for me can we grow in Christ on a, des- on a deserted island or in solitary confinement yeah I guess um, why we're going insane in the process uh, I'll speak personally Every single day, I need the body of Christ. Every single day. I learn from the body of Christ. The body of Christ prays for me. And, and I am corrected by the body of Christ. I, I can't imagine living apart from that. And then you have places like Ephesians chapter 3 and 4. That this is, this is what God has done. He's made us this body. And, and it's a body that needs one another to grow in works of service. How could we not need one another? Then I guess the other thing I think of is John chapter 17. That, that the, the, the way we reflect the glory of Christ most vividly to the world is to be a people who are growing in love for one another and, and to allow the world to witness such things. So I'm not quite sure where the question is coming from. But... but can't imagine life apart from apart from a community that is our that is our delight and that is our calling the verses that pastor chris shared as the main verses to uh, a new commandment i give you uh, to love one another just as i have loved you so that others would know that we are his disciples uh, and that's really what we want as we want to reflect jesus we want people to see that we are following Jesus in the way that we walk and the way that we live. I get some people to come and take our morning offering today. Uh, this week I've been in First Corinthians, and uh, that's been my devotional. Uh, and at the beginning of chapter 16, Paul gives the Corinthians some um, uh, guidance on how to prepare to give. And he says this, Now about the collection for the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches on the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. And he's talking about a special gift that's going to be given to the church in Jerusalem 
But the idea is very consistent to what we should be doing. We should be planning to give, and we should give willingly and joyfully. And if we can't, just hold on to it. God can take what we have, and he can make it into so much, something so much greater than what it could be if we hold on to it ourselves. So we give back to Jesus Christ so that his kingdom can increase, so that we can see the power of God at work. And when we do that, it will cause us to rejoice. But we have to plan for it. If we don't plan for it, we miss opportunities. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've given each one of us some level of prosperity so that we can give back to you. Lord, as we give back to you, I do pray that you would multiply it, that you would make it something powerful, Lord, that is beyond our strength, beyond our ability, Lord, and would cause us to step back and say, wow, look at the awesome God we serve. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.